0: So sit down, grab a drink, and find us on Instagram and Twitter
1: so we can chat. Hi, everyone. Hey. We are recording a uh, side A of the Joshua Tree today. That's welcome. Welcome. Welcome to all of our old listeners and new
0: listeners and people from all around the world. Oh my gosh, we have so many new people. Should we say hi to some of them? Please. We need to say hi to Mexico City, Mexico. Hi, Mexico. Portugal. Hola. Hola. <laughs> Portugal. Um, new Zealand and Australia. It was great. We got Australia really recently. And then the other day I put on Twitter, I'm like, New Zealand, like, knock, knock. I think some stuff's going on. <laughs> And like ten minutes later, I looked at the stats, and New Zealand popped up. <laughs> Which, if you're listening
1: to this out of out of context, the yes. you two are currently on tour, uh, touring uh, the Joshua Tree. Good timely uh, recording for us for this. And they just finished
0: New Zealand.
1: Yeah, and they're heading to Australia. Uh, yeah, in the
0: next day or something like that. Yeah um we got Tokyo, Japan, Belfast, Northern Ireland, Columbus, Ohio, feeling proud about my Ohio people, Colorado Springs, Colorado. We've got people in Scotland and Columbia and Brazil. Oh my gosh. This it's is so not amazing. It is yeah. not. we are
1: so excited. And Thank and I you. Mean- thank you for listening cuz you know we we kind of
0: started this off just for us. And uh I know it's gotten just even more fun
1: more fun but this is just for our own entertainment we didn't really think that this many people I didn't think this many people would
0: listen we just really wanted an excuse to talk more
1: yeah we did <laughs> <laughs> about
0: YouTube stuff
1: <laughs> yeah we did um, <laughs> so on my, uh, on my US wish list I would like by our next podcast to have a listener from Maryland okay we don't have that yet and what is our what country do we need can you think of a good country that
0: what about what about sweden we don't okay. have sweden yet let's uh let's go for
1: that then okay every other time we've had a wish list we we've gotten it
0: yeah so In the state of maryland state and of the entire country of sweden yeah <laughs> We look forward to hearing from you. Yes. Awesome. Well, we decided to break this monster of an album up into two eps, side A and side B, so that you will not, like, lose years listening to us. Right. And we will not lose years (laughs) creating
1: this. (laughs) So I think we should go Well, we will in total. We're just not going to lose lose that much time in one sitting no yes it'll <laughs> still be the same amount of time but it'll so. be more tolerable for everyone we hope um so i have some fun facts can we start off
0: there yeah do you want to first tell me what you're drinking
1: oh yes yes i do yeah. i am drinking bailey's salted caramel on the rocks which is just okay
0: yeah You has got to get through the bottle yeah, else I'm almost
1: time. done. I think I, if I had poured, like, another little half a glass, I would have been okay. But there
0: you go.
1: almost done.
0: What are you drinking? I have Jameson Irish Whiskey, the Black Barrel, which is charred for a rich, smooth taste. <laughs> <laughs> I could be a spokesperson.
1: I know. If this episode is not brought to you from... Jameson because
0: we have no sponsors but <laughs> they're good getting... so good I hadn't had this ride before and like the bottles have gone and I'm really hoping that my husband is drinking some of it because <laughs> otherwise it's going faster than I anticipated
1: <laughs> and now your kids <laughs>
0: it's not my kids <laughs> not my kids I know that much not yeah. yet anyway no Ooh. Well, let's dive into this Joshua Tree. You've got fun stats for us?
1: Yeah, I do. It was recorded between January 1986 and January 1987, which is a crazy long amount of time compared to every other album that they've um, recorded. But in, and they and, have in some the
0: breaks in there,
1: they did because they did the Conspiracy of Hope tour. Um, yeah. And uh, which, if you want to know more about, listen to our last podcast.
0: The good stuff.
1: Good stuff. It was recorded in all uh, in Dublin at STS Studio at Danesmoat House, which is, uh, it was rented, but later Adam bought the house. And that's
0: his residence. It's
1: like a castle.
0: Yeah. Oh, I had read that it was at Adam's house, but maybe they didn't get it. Maybe the uh, quotes I was reading were referring to it, like, in hindsight. Well, I, I read
1: that Edge and his wife were looking for a house. And that was one of the homes that was for sale. And hmm. they liked it, but they didn't think it was right for them. But they got the owners to run it to the band nice. to do some preliminary you know, songwriting and uh, recording some tracks. And and then at some point after that, Adam bought the house. Gotcha. And the story goes that there's a, the bottom of the hill or something is a boarding school that he once got kicked out of. So how fitting <laughs> is that, that the boarding yep. schools or whatever, the, the school he went to was like, you know, get out. You're not good enough. And then he bought the house on the hill <laughs> that overlooks them. So That's uh, awesome.
0: I had yeah. not heard that.
1: Then uh, the next place they recorded was uh, Mel Beach, which I think was where Larry was living at okay. the time. Or, somebody was living there either. Um, they did do some stuff at Edge's
0: home. So I don't the know thing the name that I where. read
1: was that Edge Edge wrote, and I have a little clip about that. I'll get, I have a little bit about that later. But the... For some reason, I think it was Larry's, but okay. it was a home, somebody's home. And then the last uh, part of the recording was uh, at Windmill Lane, which finished it up. Their old, you know, stomping grounds. Um, it was released on March 9th, 1987. Uh, there were five singles, With or Without You. That was released on March 21st, 87. I still found one looking for... Uh, May 25th, 87 Where the Streets Have No Name August 7th, 87 In God's Country uh, uh, November 16th, 87 and then in March of 88, One Tree Hill was released in Australia and New Zealand only It was again produced yeah. by um, Brian Eno <laughs> <laughs> and Daniel Lanois It was a uh... A lot of it was, I guess, Brian Eno moved on to another project before it was finished. So a lot of it was uh, was mixed and, I guess, edited by uh, Steve Lillywhite, who did
0: uh, um, Boy October and War, I believe. Um, Yeah, because he said he would only do two, right? And then he ended up also doing War. Yeah. Um, so it ended up number one on both the UK
1: and US charts. Um, it was at the end of the year charts in the UK, it was number two in the US. It was number six. The end of the decade charts in the UK, it was number 10. Wow. Um, yeah, it uh, certified sales in the UK, nine times platinum, which is 2,880 albums sold. Wow. And um in the US it's diamond which is 10
0: mil- more than 10 million so I have fun so- fact to go along with that okay it was the first release so at the time you know cassettes were the big thing and they would see how something was selling and then go to CD <laughs> you have the exact same thing
1: <laughs> exact same thing next on my
0: list go ahead though so it was the First released to ship record, cassette, and CD simultaneously, which also ended up making it was the largest shipment of CDs in the industry. When all was said and done, the Joshua Tree was the first platinum CD ever sold. It sold a million copies of the disc alone. First CD ever to go platinum. It's crazy. Really crazy. They're um, in London. Tower Records put it on sale at midnight, and over a thousand people got in line to um, buy it, including Elvis Costello.
1: Really, that's According fascinating. To the facts,
0: huh? Let's... That came from <laughs> Carter Allen's book. Okay, so if that is a wrong fact, Mister Costello, you
1: can talk to Mister Carter Allen. Let us know too, please. Yeah, give us a call. Let us know. Yeah. Um so that's crazy because I mean the album goes on sale at well, I guess at that time they had um they didn't. They didn't have any singles that came out before the album was released. So never mind that. Mm, Yeah. So this is that's blind faith.
0: Yep.
1: People that many people bought the album, just sight unheard. Oh, a thousand people, it says. <laughs> Sound unheard.
0: Crazy. It's
1: totally crazy.
0: And let me tell you, they're they're in for a, they're in for a very good surprise.
1: Yeah. <laughs> seriously. I mean, I guess that's I don't know. That's just amazing. That's a really amazing uh, fact, right there. Yeah. I think that most people will agree. Agree that this is one of U2's top albums. I think a lot Most of people I- would say. absolutely
0: iconic. Yeah. Hits.
1: I mean, if you've heard of U2, you've heard of
0: The Joshua Tree. Yeah. Or at least um, you know the songs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The hits. Um, so I have my theory with the trilogy is that um, Joshua Tree is the second in this particular trilogy after
0: unforgettable fire and before rattle and hum yeah
1: so something,
0: that's saying oh that segues into something but i have something else i want to say first i'm going to okay. go back to that okay because i want to um talk a little bit like we talked about the fun facts and the stats i want to talk a little bit musically okay and into- i have a
1: thing about that to say too but
0: yeah So I have, there's quotes from both Bono and Larry talking about how Bono says, like, this one is a significant record because it was time for him. He said, come clean as a word writer. Like, he could no longer be, he had to truly tell the stories and not be doing sketches. So he had to really, like, amp up. And even Larry mentioned that Bono was doing that. But he also said, and I thought this was interesting. And it's so obvious reading it that it captures something that Bono does live that they've never caught on recording before. Huh? Just interesting. It's so hard. I've heard so many of these songs live so many times, especially the staples like "Streets," that I can o- when I hear that recorded version, I only hear the live. Exactly. I'm the same exactly. So it's yeah. hard to know, but they both just mentioned how this is so much more of a concrete album. Right, and it's songs as opposed to this like overall painting.
1: Yeah. So my I have a a bit about Bonner saying about the sketching too. He said that he always thought it was old fashioned to write words, so he did exactly what he said. He sketched songs at the mic, Um, but he. The quote I have is, for Joshua Tree, he thought it was time to write words that meant something from his life experience. Yeah. And so, which, I mean, I all mean, the other songs
0: are from... It's been happening movies. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: but it's... Uh, but, I mean, def- there's definitely, you know, the... um, I mean, it's, this album's definitely not a sketch of anything. No. no. it's a It's, you know, it sounds like confidence yeah Um, so i have a couple little um kind of personal comments okay one of the things is that this album changed my life totally it changed the course of my life like i don't know what my life would have been if i hadn't heard this album if i hadn't you know jumped off the deep end into this one <laughs> um but without the joshua tree i wouldn't be speaking to any of you right now and yeah. i wouldn't have my friends and so my question not my question but my what i would say tabano over risky and cake which i know we're getting ahead
0: i'm a That's little okay. ahead of myself if it's now it's now
1: this is what i'd want to say to him is you know thank you for this album and thank you for at all but i wouldn't have my friends without this album and um i don't know what i would do without you guys so oh that's a huge thing and i've really that's the number one thing i've unfortunately i haven't had any quality time with bono <laughs> to say that since i came up with that theory years ago but yeah um, because yeah
0: but
1: i uh, that needs to be said. I need to say that. That's
0: um, that's, that's a huge B and Kate conversation.
1: Yeah. Um. And okay. So preparing for this, I don't know how you felt, but I was just so stressed out. I'm still a little stressed out about this episode because I kind of go from like having no words to say to having all the words
0: to all say the words.
1: all the words and I imagine that songwriting has a has similar construction issues and I think I have a newfound um sympathy for bonna with that because this episode has just been huge but I so I f- feel like and and this is hashtag I think bonna would be proud um <laughs> I felt like uh taking and this is I wrote this actually, that taking on the Goliath that is the Joshua Tree has been very rough and exhausting. But I definitely felt like King David, the underdog, and persevered and took down the
0: giant. See what I did there? I see what you did there.
1: Yeah. So I I don't I think Vana would be proud of hashtag. I think Vana would
0: be proud of that.
1: Yeah. The other thing, and this is I think for my personal statements for the album as a whole this is it but you know i i think that the album is just so well mixed and it's it's hard imagining these songs coming from coming out of a studio at all it just seems like they were born this way you know like i I can't see them being in a studio like these. Um, these songs are just so good that you don't think that you don't hear uh with one exception which we'll get to later, but you don't hear the studio in these albums, which a lot of prior uh U two songs, I think you can hear that. You can yeah. you can see how things you know, you can hear the studio
0: environment. Um Well there are and maybe oh but I would say there are quotes from both Edge and Larry. About this album, how this is, you know, sometimes, sometimes you write the song and sometimes the song writes you, kind of thing.
1: Yeah.
0: And they both said about this album that this is the first real instance where the songs controlled right. everything, as opposed to the artists.
1: I can, I can totally see that. And so I think I never really dug deep into learning about the recording. One thing is because they didn't, they don't really talk about it that much. I mean, they talk no. about in the studio all the time about with Octone Baby, like each one of those songs they've yeah. talked. And, you know, you can, you know what happened, the making of each one of those songs. They don't talk about that as much with the Joshua Tree. So you have to dig for that information. And I think maybe I hadn't done that because Maybe it would have, you know, ruined the magic or something for me. It did not, but most of this information is brand new to me. Yeah. I, from doing this podcast, because I didn't know a whole lot of this before, before we started this, which is kind of
0: a, that's exciting. Yeah. A big thing is so ingrained in your life and you know so well that, yeah, to have it be but, brand new again.
1: Yeah. It really feels like that. And I mean, I'm not kidding. My anxiety about this, Has been ridiculous. It's just so much to take on.
0: When we decided. That we were done. With the unforgettable fire. And it was time to start listening to the Joshua Tree. It took me a week. To start listening to it. I was so scared.
1: (laughs) Yeah I was too. But it also was so crazy. Because it sounded new to me. Like I mean I've heard this album. Eight million times. And you know five times through live or six times, or I think, I don't remember, but it sounded listening to it being, you know, listening to it knowing that we're going to talk about it, that it's on the horizon. Everything just sounded totally different to me, Absolutely. which was so exciting because, you know, you always want that, that first listen again, and you don't get that very often.
0: But like that's so cool that we're, that we're getting this. And so we have a rule that we aren't allowed to listen ahead. Which listening into these shows that have been going on the current Joshua Tree nineteen shows that are going on down under has been a great cheat.
1: Yes, <laughs>
0: it's been allowing me to hear some other things. But recorded wise, I've only listened to Joshua Tree since we finished Unforgettable Fire. I've been very good about that.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I didn't. I didn't start. Yeah. Um...
0: To listen until we were done with that i have listening like, to them evolve from boy to october to war to get unforgettable fire to hear like it's like rediscovering the band all over again it absolutely it's is so amazing all Right, so we cannot mention this album without first talking about america and the overall fluence and influence and this is our first ginormous look into the band's love affair. Slash love, hate relationship with America. the idea of
1: America. the love
0: of the idea and the love of the people and the hate of some of the politics and the yeah. things that were going on, which we'll get to later. But while not every a- song in the album is about America, it seems that every song, at least like style, maybe is influenced by listening to American artists and being in the landscape mm-hmm. and being in the desert, and it's that because there's definitely songs that are not about America.
1: No, definitely.
0: But they all—it's all influenced by their time here.
1: My—I uh, have a Bono quote about that. He said from his trip uh, to Africa, he thought that while Africa had a physical desert, we all have a desert of some sort, and that's what attracted him to using the desert as a symbol.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they were really enamored by the Nevada deserts and the Sierra Nevada out in California and Nevada. Um, And, of course, that's where all the imagery of the Joshua Tree and Joshua Tree National Park in Death Valley. The Joshua Tree on the cover of the album is actually, that location is in Death Valley. Um, not in Joshua National Park, but yeah. And there was something that was like the desert wasn't lacking. The desert, like all things, were possible with the wide open spaces. Are we ready to dive into the songs?
1: Yeah, I think we are. Okay,
0: because um, okay. I have a. I, I have to go back to my transition. If we're ready, I,
1: I'm so curious what you're going to say because happy? I have a transition too.
0: Okay, this is not. My revelation. So you probably read the same thing. <laughs> that.
1: No, mine is not, actually my revelation, but go ahead. Oh,
0: this is your revelation. No, this I read and I thought it was so brilliant because I'd read all these quotes about how Bono had stopped writing from a sketch and the songs were solid. Um, they stood alone, blah, blah, blah. But going from the unforgettable fire into where the streets have no name, which is track one. The Joshua Tree, side A, was a perfect transition because it is the only song on the album that is also a sketch. So it like brought the people who loved Unforgotten Fire so much. It like was like a comforting welcome while at the same time, this huge new sound that had become the band. And with that, we can talk about Where the Streets Have No Name.
1: (laughs) Well, so this was my absolute. I actually didn't read that but my revela- my revelation kind of was if you it's it's in the same you know area but if you play MLK and then let it go into streets yeah it's like fluid it's like you you know what i mean like wait exactly what you were saying except that i didn't read that but it's it literally sounds like where MLK ends where the streets have na- no name begins like they're right. they they like just kind of like blend right into each other which yeah. kind of made my head explode because it's it's literally where unforgettable the album unforgettable fire it's ends. what you said ends and the Joshua street yeah. begins but it's so specific i mean if right. It works for the album, for the album you know as a whole. but those two songs are just kind of nuts. Like it if you listen to just those albums back to back, it is full evolution, right And that just listening, hearing that made my head explode because it's just that, you know, it's like that there's almost something like dreamy
0: that just kind of flows in those two songs. Absolutely, and it it, it just and like one it, fades out, and then it fades. It like it,
1: yeah. And I mean, like if if you think about that, you think about MLK as being a closer, and it, it's really not, you know. It's and an like, intro. It, it's an <laughs> intro. To I have chills with this. When I wrote this down, it I was it, it blew my mind because. It, it really sounds like those songs go together and I never would have thought that before.
0: Yeah. Ever. That's amazing.
1: Well, I okay, so Where the Streets Have No Name. It has been played eight hundred well, you know what? I didn't update my figures. So oh. it's been played now eight hundred and ninety-one times. <laughs> Did you add two? I just had to <laughs> add two. I have heard it fifty three out of sixty
0: one shows. And it- 46 out of 50. We had mentioned before, like we need to talk about the album and right. not about the live versions. And some of these songs cannot be separated.
1: No, you can't separate Where the Streets Have No Name from yeah. being live. Like it's I mean, it's just crazy to me because but they were they were looking for to write a live song. They yeah. they had this, you know, like a blank. You know, like they, they needed a spot for the live song, a spot for the right. big, you know, single, whatever. And uh anyway, so I my note is as the as the story goes, um, that it took a long time for this song to come into its uh fruition. Meats. Yeah. Right. And the longer it took, the more our producer slash villain Brian Eno <laughs> disliked it. And he hated it so much that he was going to stage an accidental erasing. Like, he ordered people out
0: of the room.
1: Yeah. And he was going to erase the song because he, he didn't like it. And it, it, it frustrated him so much because it took so long. And um, an engineer like physically stopped him right before he hit yeah. a button. And that's not cool. But it's also not the first or the last time you two got bamboozled by Eno. <laughs> bamboozled is the word that I and before we even started this. I said uh, somehow I'm going to work the word bamboozle into it's this. It's very Eno appropriate that work. Yeah, yeah. So and this is, this is one of those songs that Gally, Edge said. Rasputin.
0: Man, he angers me so much. But yeah. anyway, go ahead. But somehow he does good work. He helps our band do good work. Um, this was one of those songs that Edge said, like they had to wait for the song to arrive. They just had to keep working until the song arrived. Like it was there. It wasn't about their skills or them creating it. It was had to show up.
1: So it's a quote uh, from the Edge. He said that he uh, had bought. He and his wife had bought a house. But no, they hadn't moved in yet. And he just needed, uh, they sent Bono away to write lyrics. They like banished <laughs> him and said yeah. he could come back unless uh, he had lyrics. So Edge uh, decided to go into his empty house, no furniture or anything, and just see how, you know, the acoustics were. And if he could just be by himself. As, and, as
0: you would, yeah. As would. <laughs> as um, Edge would.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so he said that he thought, he tried to dream up, what he would want to hear if he was at a U2 show. At, oh, that's so great. At Yeah. Um, he's never
0: not, been to a U2 show. <laughs> he's,
1: yeah, he's being at them. But, but not anyway, too, um, th- so he said it was his attempt to conjure up the ultimate U2 live song. He He said it was a strange feeling when I finished the rough mix because I thought I had just come up with the most amazing guitar part and song of my life, but it was, but I was totally alone in a big house with no one to share it with. He said, uh, I remember listening to the complete silence of the house for a few seconds after the mu- music had stopped and then doing a dance around the room, punching the air. He's like, and then I went home. <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact. Oh, I love that man. That is so great. <laughs> Isn't it? Can't you see that? Just like him, like running around, just like.
0: <laughs> it's like this victory lap. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, I love that so much that quote, I think that's the oh, favorite.
0: Amazing.
1: My most favorite thing I read. It's
0: so great. Yeah. Well, so what I have then is a little bit pertinent. It goes well with that. and that so I'm in the car and I've got the, the album on and I've got it's a nice day, I've got the windows down, it's blaring, and I'm making a fool of myself driving a car listening to the song and i was thinking about i think it was back with bad on the unfathomable fire we were talking about that there are just some songs that when they're sometimes it works in the recorded version but it always works in the live version where you just like you're just transported into the song and you're like in your own space maybe to the people like it's communal i don't know but like Like, you just get into the song. Like, you feel like you're literally in the song.
1: Yeah.
0: And they have a good job of doing that live. But with Streets is... And Bonner will say that with this um, song, especially live, he's asking, like, the biggest question of the audience. And that's, like, trust trust me and come with me. Mm -hmm. I know those aren't his words, but, you know, it's like just come on, we're going to go on this journey together and you've got to just trust me on it. And it is like, this is the song where like, Bono takes you by the hand and you're like there together and you're also with everyone else in the audience. But right. instead of kind of getting to this like trance mode of just kind of being lost in the rhythm, it's this like crazy communal all together feel. And I was really excited about that.
1: <laughs> it's, the it, the it, excitement of that song is like tangible or something it's yeah. it's just
0: yeah no matter but it has faith, he says he's asking the audience to take a leap of faith
1: I see that so I and again I know we said we weren't going to talk specifics about the live versions but I think this,
0: this song, yeah, it's okay
1: so I mean my heart races every time I hear it. Like, if I'm in the grocery store or something.
0: Oh, and, like, just the intro, that humming of the organs, like, the chills I get, or, like... Yeah, well, so... it's visceral reaction.
1: Obviously, you know, for the Joshua Tree Tour, it's uh, you know, it has the huge, you know, it's just red and the impact and everything. Mm-hmm. But I think what excites me the most, my memories, is uh, for Pop Mart. When mm-hmm. he ran down the catwalk to the end of the B stage and we were mostly always at the end of the B stage. And he was like running towards us. And that... It was, you know...
0: To us.
1: To us. And it was so exciting. It was... uh, You know, I don't think that there'll ever be another concert moment. A regular concert moment that is that exciting to me. That was just...
0: Yeah. um. Like again, if he could have literally taken our hands and taken us on the journey right there and then he yeah. would have
1: he did. I mean, we were I mean, that was I don't know, that just made us such a part of that song. But it's so dramatic with the rise and fall that that you get that that I mean I listen to it and I get that as, you know, the live version, which again
0: yeah.
1: most songs you don't you don't hear that. I have a really fun fact that I never noticed before. There are no backing vocals. None.
0: Huh. None. It's just straight up. Straight yep. up on it. That's it. Interesting. Yep. I absolutely. I don't think bet. it's
1: like that live. But the actual album version.
0: Um, yeah. That, oh, I have to pay attention. Yeah. yeah.
1: Isn't that crazy?
0: I believe it I was. Completely. I listened
1: to it in my car one morning. And I'm like, wait a minute. I gotta listen to this again, because I think I just imagined that. And I went back and listened to it another, like, three times. And I'm like, oh my god, there are no backing vocals. And I don't think there's another... I can't think of another song, not on this album.
0: I can't think of another song. There's always. I mean, it's... Whether it's Edge or Edge and Bono, there's some kind of mixing. Whether it's a chorus or the um, bridge. So, getting back to nitty-gritty of the song there's always been lots of talk um cuz it is a sketch from Bono about having been in Africa and is this a spiritual place is this a romantic place like it's kind of all encompassing um a sketch of a location it's not a specific place but i read this thing that he said which was something that was new to me that he had learned from someone else that in Belfast You can literally tell not only your religion, but how much money you make, what kind of job you have by like literally what side of the road you live on on a specific street. It was that separated
1: Hmm.
0: by not only religion and but class and socioeconomical. So if you told someone what street name you lived on and what like house number it was, they could tell any number of things about you. In your lifestyle, so he wanted to write about a place where the streets have no name, where those things don't matter, which can then take you back to Africa and take you back to spiritual places and take you back to. But I had never heard that before. I thought that was really like an interesting place for that to. So I can
1: remember where I I wrote this note and I got it from. The guy that wrote it, he said, the funny thing is that we don't know the location of these nameless streets. They're in Africa or Dublin or the U.S. or in love. And I just thought that was kind of...
0: It's amazing. Bon-
1: <laughs> bon- <laughs> yeah. to say yeah. that, you know, you, you're driving around with streets that have no name. You don't really have, you know, a map of love either, you know? Right. So you can take the, that song has endless um, explanations to it. Endless meanings. Yeah. Um, but it's and
0: interestingly uh, enough, Bono has been talking about it recently about how he's just not he's not happy with the lyric because he just thinks that the sketch and it's not finished and there's like just so much more that could be there. And so this is I might have more questions for him later, but my question over whiskey and cake to him would be like knowing what he knows how he knows the song now after having performed it almost 900 times would it be even worth changing like does he wish it was more right or is it perfection as it is there was some that great interview and I forget what it was you and I watched it together it might have been an Australian interview I forget but but bon, it was the whole band and Bono was going on about it a little bit and Edge is next to him just like shaking his head like you're a fool <laughs> You're a fucking fool. <laughs> like and Bono be like, No, like the band's perfect. He's like, but the the lyrics are too simple or something. And Edge just continues to be like, Don't don't be an asshole. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's you know, I just had this uh you saying that I, I just had this kind of comparison but like um, there's a old Jewish mothers and grandmothers or whatever there's a they make a big deal where, where you sit down to eat and they feed you something and they're like oh but it's too salty yeah. <laughs> like they're always telling you what's wrong with it and then I think then you say oh no but it's good or whatever no 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 It it's it should have been you know yeah sweeter or whatever it's so there's something wrong with it like they'll never say that the their food I think it's some sort of superstition or something like that I don't know yeah. I know my grandmother used to do it she would tell you what you know what was wrong with the food even though that was kind of
0: Probably not delicious. true
1: at all yeah. but I feel like maybe that maybe Bono has a little bit of the Jewish Bubby syndrome.
0: <laughs> Apparently there's Jewish on his mother's side. So there you go. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I don't know. I never thought about that before. But I think that uh, he might
0: have a little bit of that <laughs> Jewish Bubby <laughs> syndrome. Where it's like I will never not think that now when I look at yeah, him. Yeah,
1: I never thought about it. This, that was right <laughs> off the cuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, little buddy. Oh, and my mom says it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: right. We're not playing that salty. game.
1: You say that it's too salty, then you okay, it is. Yeah, right? I'm not playing that game. But with my grandmother, I always... Bobby is different, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my 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 other grandmother did it way more than Bobby, but... Anyway, yeah, Bono the
0: Bobby. <laughs> so, By purchasing Red branded products, you are contributing to the Global Fund, which supports HIV AIDS grants in many African countries. As your man says, where you live should not decide whether you live or whether you die. So head on over to one.org and red.org to join the Garden Tarts in doing our part to end AIDS. Should we move on to the second track? Yes. I would love to do that. Track okay. two of side A is I still haven't found what I'm looking for.
1: That has been played 677 times, updated, and I've heard it 43 times out of 61.
0: 29. I thought it might be more. But there was a while it wasn't around. Did you miss it? I do now. I didn't before. I'd heard it enough, but, but hearing it, was... it in context with the Joshua Tree. Yeah, It was pretty amazing and now I hear it like just playing my CD or on the radio and I have a whole new love for it.
1: I I do too like, and I feel like the fact that it wasn't played at all on I&E made me love it even more
0: yeah. and I didn't
1: I this It's not one of my all time favorite songs. I have a lot to say about it but it's not um...
0: me neither but man the just the joy that was in the room. Yeah. Like, and play it during the JT tour. Yeah. Like that just stays with me now. And I must say, so Garden Tart Amanda, this is her favorite song of all time. Like of every artist, every band, every, and she, as much as she's a U2 fan, she is quite the artist and catalog of things that she loves. Yeah. This is her song. And there is nothing quite like being next to her to show when this song plays. It is her happy place. I
1: love it, and it's, it's interesting because wh- I vividly remember that when I first got into the, the album, that my two favorite songs on the album were so, if "I'm Looking For" and "With or Without You." And I feel like those really weren't my two favorite songs. It was just like genius marketing. Yes, like they, like it was. Yeah. They were so well marketed. They were so well played on the radio that it actually kind of screwed with my head to make well, me yeah. think that, that was those were my uh, favorite songs. And, and by no I mean they're wonderful songs. I I love it so much. You know, people complain again, we're going to the live thing, but quite often Bono will start the song and then just stop singing. And I know a lot of people complain about that because, you know, they say they don't go to a U two concert to hear the audience sing. They go to hear Bono sing. But I I love it. I love that. It works to hear. in this song. I think it, it does. It works. Does. Uh, it doesn't look at church.
0: One. But it is. It's it is like going to this church. Is... My non church going, non religious practicing self.
1: Right. I, it's this a, to it, me is
0: the church is this is the church song I accept.
1: It's a you know, it's it's a spiritual congregation.
0: That's yes. There you That's go. That's what it
1: is. But, you know, when we sing, when we are, we're all singing the song, it's like, I don't know. I feel like we're just, the audience just becomes, like, unified as, because we all know the lyric. And I was saying, for I don't get that vibe with One. Like, no, he, he does the same, same thing with One, but with One, it's just like, I don't know. It's also, I mean, One's a wonderful song, but this just kind of touches me a little bit. More. This has a little more of a special place in my heart.
0: One is a solo song, and this song, and if you, th- we'll talk about it on Rattle and Home, But this song is meant to be sung in, by a church choir, right? Like it's, it's meant for the people, right, to sing, not just one singer.
1: So I have, uh, I have something that will maybe make your head explode if you haven't read this. Okay, but- I'm waiting. Okay, Edge says. He doesn't like it because the beginning of it sounds like Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for everyone. It ruins the song forever.
0: All I hear now
1: is like, dun, 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 you, you hear Eye of the Tiger. I have the tiger. <laughs> I have to pour more and juice now. That killed me. <laughs> I, it hurt my heart. It hurt my brain. I'm
0: I'll never forgive him <laughs> for saying that. Does he know he has the ability to change that? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Yeah. and I just a little think tweak here or there. A, a <laughs> more
1: update. I mean that wasn't an, an article. That wasn't a quote from way back. I think that was from either I think that was from like YouTube by
0: YouTube maybe
1: that he said that.
0: Uh, I'm going to have to look with that in mind or listen with that in mind because yeah. The other thing is that or there's something somebody-
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe try not to think about that. The other thing that I discovered with listening for the this episode is there's something with the cadence of the song, of the lyrics that that's just really different. And I don't know that I've ever thought about it before, but like the pause, the the beat that I'm saying Absolutely. this totally unskilled musically, but. So I have a few a few places highlighted, but Bono says, "I've spoke with the tongue of angels," and it just Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like the right, you know. It's like he just glosses over those two words, you know. But they're separated with the, and then I've held. Why
0: is there a pause? Yeah,
1: I've I've held the hand of a devil. You know, I believe in the, but the way that he says it, it's it's like. I don't know. I can't. I don't know the exact wording, but it's a totally different You're cadence. expressing it. You're expressing it. It's there, okay, okay. <laughs> but it is a totally different cadence from the usual any song. It it's just got a different. I don't know. Well, the That's song awesome. definitely
0: has gospel roots. This is like an as 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 American yeah. Yeah. to American roots as you can get on this album. I think. Well, in my knowledge, and I wonder if there is something in gospel songs that has something like that? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. I need to, that's a good, that's a good further research.
0: So this song was originally a song called Under the Weather.
1: I have that note too. That's, and then I'm out of notes for... (laughs) Yeah,
0: in a different melody, but Edge came up with the title, and then Bono's imagination like went from there. And what's so cool about this song and... To there, I've read a few quotes over the years from like religious leaders saying that they love this song so much because it isn't a blind faith song. It's not God Almighty, Jesus is the One, put your faith here and have no doubts, because it is all about questioning your faith and doubt. I think, I don't know about you, but for me, it makes it a thousand times more believable.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. As a
0: religious song, that it's questioning so much, which I just absolutely love.
1: I, I love it, too. But my, I also, you know, have I I mean, I think that my thing is that if you stop questioning religion, then you become just one of those people that I don't like.
0: <laughs> right. Well, we you talked know, about that. You're like, right. All we blind did talk- do not trust blind faith.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't question, you know, then something's wrong. And I I agree with that, that that's uh, that's what I want to hear out of a religious song.
0: Yeah. We were talking about the unforgettable fire and how that ends with MLK and how that so seamlessly goes into where the streets have no name, which is another sketch of a song. So if I could dare say that this is the first proper formal song the band has presented to us like this song is tight it is tight like, it is so tight the music the lyrics the everything even with its kind of like interesting strange beat stuff it is it is a legit song
1: it is it is you're right it's tight
0: now we get more of them but oh my gosh it's just so good and so much fun. And I can't help now. I can't help it nowadays. When I, I feel like we have to do apps about videos because that would be fun. But I did yeah. this video, and this video cracks me up so much because I guess the story goes that Ed showed up on time, and the rest of the band had been overserved and they were late. <laughs> so just, and you can see it in the video, like Ed just yeah. pissed. Ed just
1: totally oh sober and on time, and the rest of them are are pretty
0: yeah. lit and it's pretty obvious I mean, even mm. larry's giggling and laughing <laughs>
1: and then like at the end is it it's right that adam just gets in a cab and leaves yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, like just in the video he's just like i'm out i'm done i called it in <laughs> yeah it that's just the most fun so i i have a little we'll talk about that more but i just can't I can't not tell the story, but so I was in, uh, 97, I went down to, when we were there, went down to, uh, Fremont Street, where the video was filmed, and it wasn't, now it's it like, Las Vegas, yeah. Yeah, now it's, uh, I'm sorry I didn't say Las Vegas, but yeah. Now it's, like, a enclosed, like,
0: um, it's like almost like a m- mall isn't the right word, but it's like the old downtown, they've, like, Enclosed closed Great. and protected it, right? Yeah,
1: it wasn't like that then. It was still oh, okay. open. And uh, I went with a friend of ours who had apparently done this research and said, this is where this part of the video was and this part of the video was. And we're standing somewhere, and I can't remember exactly what part of the video, but one of the parts of the video and this lady just, like, walks into... A window, like it's—it's it's like a, you know, like a. I mean, it, it's like a. I guess it was like a window to like a casino where you could see out but you couldn't see in. Yeah. But there clearly was, I and mean, you could see your reflection. <laughs> there clearly was a window there, and she just like shit went right into the window, like it was like a cartoon or something. <laughs> but anyway, I also can't help but think about that. In, yeah. Uh, Because maybe she was, you know, late
0: and lit to it. (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm sure. sure. Her guitar player's mad, too.
1: Yeah. (laughs) All these songs sing in
0: so many places. They do. They really, really do. And both Bono and Edge have been quoted in interviews saying this recently about, just in the last year, about how they don't own these songs anymore. Because we all have stories and experiences with them. yeah. I mean, it's definitely a talking point for the band right now, but it's so, like, you just lived that. <laughs> like, Right, right. That's your
1: version of the song. So, yeah, that's that's a good thing to talk about over uh, Whiskey and Cake. Yeah. Here's my story. Right. <laughs> you have your story. Here's what happened. <laughs> now I have it in my head. When I hear the song, I see a woman running into a window. (laughs) I mean, like like it was like it was she walked into it like it was an open door or something, but it was (laughs) God. It was wonderful.
0: (laughs) I hope she's still okay. I'm sure she's (laughs) it's 20 some years later.
1: I think she like, you know, had like little birds flying around her head and then was like walked (laughs) it off. (laughs) That's how it looked in my imagination. Yeah. That seems
0: about right. Yeah. Should we move
1: on to the next song? We should. we
0: should. What's the next song?
1: The next song is track three, which is "With or Without You."
0: It and has been played eight hundred and
1: thirty-three yeah. times. Eight hundred and thirty-three. Wow. I've heard it forty-six.
0: I've heard it thirty-seven. Have we missed it.
1: No, and I hate. I since feel since guilty Post about tree, that. Didn't hear it. I don't. I feel guilty about that. I miss Streets. I mean, I yeah. can honestly say that E and I, I miss Streets, but I didn't miss with or without you, and I feel bad about saying it because I love that song so much.
0: I was okay to not have Streets on E and I. I think it was a good break from it because there's some other they've got some other really big songs, like big live songs now. But this song, I it's one of those songs that I see on the set list. I'm like, oh, this is yeah, it's here. And then once it happens and it gets to the end. I just, it's one of my favorite live moments. But let's talk about the song first. This is, we have Gavin Friday to thank for this song. Yes. We do. He was the one who saved it. They had the drums and the bass, but it all wasn't coming together. And then apparently Gavin heard Edge playing his new infinite guitar. Edge got a new toy. (laughs) And Gavin's like, that's it. And I'd heard, I haven't heard, read or heard this recently, but in my mind, I have this memory of reading that Gavin like went in the other room and like mixed it together and was like, look what I have done. <laughs> and then he got in a apparently screaming fight with McGinnis about how it should be a single. And McGinnis is like, because it's a very, I mean, us now, it's like a major part of their canon. Like, this is, one of the biggest U2 songs. Right. There is. Like, how is this not a huge single? But I don't think it was an obvious single at the time. It was very different than anything else in the radio. And Gavin knew it. And McGinnis was like, no, this is not a good business decision. And Bono sided with Gavin. And voila. Yep. The rest it was is history.
1: The hugest
0: hit ever.
1: I am. Um, the song is perfect. And I think. It's perfect. the first time I think we can say that Bono's voice is beautiful.
0: It is beautiful.
1: Like, I, I mean, you know, you can say it on, for other songs, his voice is strong. His voice is, you know, emotional or whatever. But I don't think you can say beautiful until we get to with or without you. That's just my... Um, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll go with you on that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, part of it is, you know, there's definitely a sexiness to his singing that they didn't like edit out his breath. Like you can hear him right. breathing in the song, which is just. I um, mean, um, it's
0: supposed to come off as like this sultry kind of love song. Yeah.
1: And so I mean, of it his... isn't, but. Right. It's not. But, you know, it's, it, I feel like it's a cop out to say. But it is in my top five U2 songs, and I don't know why, I just always have a thing against singles. That's the bottom line. (laughs) I don't know, I just don't like people telling me what my favorite song should, what I should listen to.
0: Right? Yeah, like, like like you know too much, so you shouldn't, why go with the masses?
1: Uh And I I definitely feel like it's a cop-out to say that, because... There's a um, reason it's so popular. Right. But I mean, it's how, how do you not fall in love with, you know, that voice and the fragile character in the lyrics? Like, it's I know. just, I mean, it's not a love song, but how do you not, how are you not in love? I like, and so this is honest, I'm honestly telling you, I yeah. heard this song, you know, 269 million times, but the first time I listened to it in preparation for this podcast, I actually cried. Like it made me so emotional, which is just nuts. Because, you know, I I probably heard this song more than I've heard any other U2 song, and partially by choice. But my my reaction to it just and like I said before, just li- doing this rep- preparing for this podcast has just changed how I've how I've listened. To, not, not just for this album, for all the albums. But this got to me like I seriously felt like it was the first time. I'd heard the song, and... Oh, God.
0: It's Um, amazing.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, to listen to his range and his vocal control, and he doesn't sing through his nose anymore, which he did that a lot.
0: So Um, I do have one uh, huge uh, pet peeve in this song. Okay. Because I was in choir all through high school, and our choir teacher, Christine Leachmanee, It says, we do not chew in this choir. We, you, we don't go with or without chew. Oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So I remember, so it was while I was in choir that I discovered this song. And I was like, what the fuck's he doing, man? (laughs) But every once in a while, he gets it out, like, without you. So that's like that. That's like a little running joke in my head, a little pet peeve I have, but it does not keep me from loving the magic of the song. I have written down that it's a mix of a love song and a religious religious song, but ultimately it's about Bono himself. And yeah. he'll say, "I've re- I've read this quote a thousand times in a thousand different places, two hundred and sixty nine thousand times." Then he will say, "The entire band knows that when I sing, and you give yourself away." That that is only about me. That is only about Bono, right? And it's about being on stage and singing the songs and being this pop star and this public figure. And like, what do you keep for yourself,
1: right? So how do you live with that? I've had this uh, theory, and I've talked to you about it. I know many times, but I feel like uh, "With or Without You" has a sister song. All I want is you. Which is this is my theory. I'm not getting this Mm -hmm. from anywhere else but it both of these songs are a conversation between two people and i did just read that bono said he didn't go into details he said you know he doesn't talk about his personal life or whatever which is bullshit because
0: he does but he said you know he's he's obviously got some line but that line's gotten very gray recently right
1: right but he said i'm not going into specifics who the speakers are and i think do think that was an old quote but it's two it's two people It's a song about two people. And I... um,
0: Are they not both him?
1: They're not both him. Okay. And that's what makes the song not a love song. It's kind of mean. Yeah. It's like, I actually have always thought that. It's It's kind of a mean song. And, you know, like, so I interpret it. Person one says, basically, I know I hurt you, but you hurt me too. And then person two says, you know, we've worked really hard to get to this point, but we need to work harder and I'll wait. And they both say, you know, I can't live with or without you. And then uh, person two says that person one gives himself away, you know, and number one. And then person one says he's still hurt, but he's going to hurt either way. So that's how I see it. So it is bottom giving himself away, but he's not the one saying, I'm giving myself away. It's, and you give yourself
0: away. Right.
1: So, you know, like he can. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so he says, like specifically in the lyric, but yeah, I know I hurt you, but you hurt me too. And that's, uh, see the stone set in your eyes, see the thorn twist in your side. I wait for you, the sleight of hand and twist of fate on a bed of nails. She makes me wait. So that's, you know, person one. Person two says, uh, through the storm we reach the shore, you give it all, but I want more. And that's, you know, we've worked really hard at this, but we still need to work more and I'll wait. You know, I'll I'll wait. Yeah. And then. Oh, I love
0: that. I've never read it that way. It's. I we've talked a lot about all I want is you, which we'll get to later. But I can't wait to hear to talk more about that because we haven't gone into crazy detail. No, but so this is theory on it. But this is great.
1: I might be. I could be totally off on that. But I've always had. I've had this theory since you know. I think. I don't know. Not when I first heard the song, obviously, because I was a kid. But in my Early in my adult life, I've had this theory. I've had this theory for twenty some years, but I never heard Bonu say that before. And I can't remember where he said it, but he said it's a conversation between two people. But I'm not going into into specifics over who they are or anything. And it's like, well, come on, dude, (laughs) you don't have to go into specifics. We get it. But I mean, that to me is. Clearly what the song is And again I this It's sister song is All I Want Is You because it's The same thing and I think people Hear those songs and think oh this is so Sweet and both of them To me are Pretty mean aggressive songs Like they're not lovey dovey They're you know This is what's wrong with you kind of thing And and I think All I Want Is You Is well, well again we'll get to that Next but I think that's heavier than With or Without You, but that's what I hear.
0: And, and again, I, I, love I could that. be totally,
1: totally off. That could, you know, but that's just my, how I hear it. But, it's and you know your what,
0: song. It and is my can, song. It is your song.
1: Yeah.
0: And you have given it to us to interpret it how our right. hearts and do. I, yeah. Uh,
1: I said this, um, I was talking to uh, my friend Lauren, who is uh pretty much a, a new fan, new ish fan. But we saw my friend's YouTube cover band and she was like, When With or Without You played, when they play With or Without You, she just like stopped like in the middle of the song and was just like, Hey, I think there's a story here and I'm dying to hear it.
0: Oh, I, I love I love oh, her. Like I have it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean maybe
1: not, but this is the story in my head. And I felt like I think I just maybe I haven't said it about with or without you. I know I say it all the time about all I want is
0: you that it's a conversation, but I felt like I, I waited. Not remember having this conversation with you, really? like you telling me it about this song. I've this said this it. First I mean, I'm hearing this. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, to me, it's the same song. Yeah, it really is. It's the same. I mean, it's like a part two of. Right a really long song but I felt like when Lauren asked me that I was so excited to actually someone asked me that question that I have had this really you know evolved theory about and anyway so well thank you guys for listening to me say it this time too because really this is not clearly this wasn't something off the cuff
0: I've well and what do we say that this is like our podcast is mostly opinion with a handful of facts thrown yeah. in. Like,
1: that's what it's all about, right? Right. I mean, the truth is, it could be about, really about, I don't know, dog or.
0: No, we know too much.
1: Garbage. Or, I don't we know. We know too
0: much if that's not true. Yeah. But I will say, so if I could just, I mentioned this before, like at the end with, like, when the big, huge OOOs come in. <laughs> That is one of my favorite live moments ever of any U2 show. That, I don't know if it's 45 seconds or something. I miss that. I miss it.
1: God, just this song is just so much. For a song with, you know, pretty few lyrics.
0: Yeah, it's not a long song. No, it's
1: definitely a made-for-radio song. But it's... Just it's to me, it's just perfection, and I don't know that there are many other. I mean, there are p- plenty of songs I think are perfect, but I don't think there's. Again, it's in my top five. Yeah, it's probably in my. No, it's in my top five.
0: I should try I and make it top five-ish. It,
1: yeah, I mean, it I changes it. daily, but today it's yeah. In my, it's I think it's four or five yeah. in my top five my one my number one never changes but
0: the others
1: uh do but we'll get to that i
0: don't think i know what number your number one, one is
1: yeah will we'll, we'll <laughs> get to that i know what yours is because i had to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> you <did. laughs>
0: it's one of my favorite stories of all time like, we'll get to that no, in a few more albums no, honey, i'm sorry <laughs> you're wrong and i was like <laughs> oh you're right <laughs> except i think it's changing
1: Yeah, so uh, the next song is track four, Bullet the Blue Sky.
0: Okay. It's been played
1: uh, 781 times, updated. I've heard it 44 times. And um, again, you know, we're not talking about how songs are live, but Um. I love this song live, and I feel like a lot of people don't. Like, I've heard a lot of people just over time, just not have great things to say. But I love that Bono does, like, performance art, it. you know? Like, for i e he did this uh, whole, like, speech thing that was the most brilliant thing ever, and obviously we'll get to that later. But I just love this song live because it changes so
0: much. It time. has evolved so much and tends to go with whatever the political climate it is at the time. I'm I admit that I'm done. I'm kind of done with it live. But that's just my own personal problem for just having heard it so many times. Right. So, I don't complain to hear it. It it was kind of revived to me.
1: It was it kind of had a, you know, revival to me for E and I because I love that part where he did the uh, no, 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 19 thing. Yeah. You know, so.
0: It's true. And the megaphone was a great addition.
1: Yeah. Um we'll get to all Okay, that. so... But the but, album
0: version's very different.
1: Very, very different. A, a little bit of a backstory. A little bit of a history lesson. After the Conspiracy of Hope tour in 1986, Bono and Allie went on holiday to war-torn El Salvador, Nicaragua, as you do on holiday. Um, And, uh, you know, they saw violence and death, and it was, you know, horrific. The thing that you also have to kind of think, and I I don't know a ton about this, so you might want to Google some of it too, but I found this really interesting. You might remember the whole debacle during the Reagan and then some administration where we had the Iran Contra issues and they had these hearings all the time and people went to jail all over North. And what that was, which I don't think I really understood except that I knew that it was a bad thing was that the U S was, uh, were selling arms to Iran to make money to fund the Contras in Nicaragua who were anti-communist and waging a civil war that was paid for by the US. And And that's what dollars. Yes. But I mean, selling arms to someone that's not our friend anyway.
0: Right You know,
1: to come up with money so that we could fight communism that I don't think was and I was a kid and I don't again, Google it. but, But I don't think it was that big of an issue. It was just the US funding control and death basically. Anyway, that's this that's what was going on Bono and Ali went to uh, El Salvador, Nicaragua, and they were in the middle of this civil war that, you know, the US was paying for. So when you think about the song and when you listen to the lyrics, to me that makes so much more sense. I don't yeah. again, I'm pretty good with history, but I didn't know the background of that just because it happened when I was a kid and I wasn't paying attention. Um, but to me, it, it sounds like it was just bullshit because how bad would, a, you know, that little bit of communism hurt us, especially when, you know, right now, if you look at the world, democracy isn't working that great either. So <laughs> right. I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's the history. That's the background.
0: Yeah, and Bono tells stories about being in those countries and being shot at. And he's like, it's the first time I was shot at as if there have been other times, but he said they were um, like warning shots. Like this wasn't target practice. This was, Hmm. you were in an area and you heard gunfire. And for all, you know, it was coming at you, but it was like going way over the heads, whatever. And he came back home and they're working on the album. And he told edge the story and he's like i need you to recreate this with your guitar this one like hearing gunfire and wondering if it's at you and this you know civil war torn nation pump it out what does it sound like and he said something recently i know you and i were talking about this and i can't remember where it was it was so recent about how all musicians are storytellers, and he gets the privilege of working with words, which are just sometimes easier. But the Edge is also a storyteller, and he tells stories through his guitar. And knowing that the picture he is painting is what Bonos told him about, you know, being in this worn, torn, these war-torn countries. It's like, oh, that is that sound.
1: That's what that, that sounds like.
0: Exactly what that sounds like, and it's brilliant.
1: So the musicianship
0: I, uh, is amazing. It's
1: absolutely amazing. It's also my—I uh, love saying this more than anything—is my um, hashtag Bruce. I've got this guitar, and I've learned how to make it talk. Yeah. And when you can hear a guitar, and it sounds like another singer, almost right. You know? It to me that's just the most. I was just listening to some song the other day, and I, I can't remember what it was, but the the guitar just was so strong. It sound it just sounds like someone else. It sounds like another entity entirely. Yeah. It's not just guitar playing. It's not just you know rhythm or whatever. It's
0: right. someone
1: singing. You know,
0: my cousin it's like lyrics. Who- my cousin has teenagers that are all musicians, like marching band musicians. And, and it's a, I, I'm 99.9% sure this is a quote that she got from somewhere else, but she hashtags it all the time when she puts pictures of her kids up playing music. And she says, musicians make inanimate objects sing.
1: Oh, that's really cool. Like
0: a guitar just laying there is nothing. Right. Put, a mu- put it in the musician's hands and it's everything. Right. I the right. And I musicians. love I just love that. And with that in mind, an instrument could be anything. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely anything. But I think about that when I hear songs like this. But yeah, this is this is where we this is where the love hate relationship comes in. Like when he talks Mono talks about how he loves the idea of America and he loves the people of America. But unfortunately the Americans have voted for and put their faith in a man an actor, <laughs> nonetheless. Right. Who is now, who with, was at the time, President Ronald Reagan, who was... With a face red
1: as, red like a rose on a thorn
0: bush. Thorn bush. He had
1: those rosy...
0: Yeah, that's Reagan right there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but the contrast of America is in here. This is, it's not even worth paraphrasing because Niall Stokes wrote it so nicely. He said the song contrasts the burning crosses of the Ku Klux Klan with the liberating sounds of John Coltrane's saxophone. America, everything that's great about the world, and everything that's repulsive about
1: it—that just gave me chills. This crazy, the, right? I
0: mean, it's, it's like just—it sums up everything.
1: It does. <laughs> These lyrics are, again, you know, we talked about a sketch versus, you know, proper mm-hmm. lyric writing. Um, I mean, obviously, this is proper lyric writing, but this isn't. This is a totally different caliber than um yeah it's like uh fun with words or it's not like fun but it's like (laughs) fun with words you know it's (laughs) it's like I don't know but the word the way that these lyrics are are just it's a different there's like a different dynamic to it. It it's so well written but I kind of feel like it it's I don't know the word I'm thinking of because I don't have any musical knowledge, but it's just a, a much, it's a much clearer picture than any, like there's nothing in th- these words you take at face value.
0: Yes. It's there's not nothing, it's not hidden.
1: No, but it's just a different kind of lyric writing than
0: I think. I mean, burning. We've heard before. And pelting the women and children. Yeah. And, you and know, these, this is face red like these are such strong images. Like you can yeah. see them completely. I have a question for Bono over whiskey and cake. Okay. That I love when an album title comes from a lyric. I, I'm it's... so I know we've talked about it. <laughs> you have it <laughs> written down too. Like why did Rattle and Hum why did that stand out? Right. To become the title of their next album.
1: You know, under this,
0: that, well, yes, this song is on Rattle and Hum, right? Live, um,
1: but why did that lyric like like under a blood red sky from New Year's Day?
0: I right. love it.
1: I I wonder that like why was it that why wasn't the album you know called I don't know Sky ripped open or something like that
0: even Seed,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> right.
0: I mean, it could I mean, be anything. I mean. There's a treasure trove of poetic phrases. I don't know. It's kind of interesting.
1: God, I just, these lyrics to me just, it's a, it's, they're very different than anything we've heard before. Like I yeah
0: said
1: before, but you know, the, God, uh, just everything, the rattle and hum, but you know, Jacob Russell, the angel, and well, the then, angel's overcome. So that to me is just, you know, a lot of the biblical references I don't get. Um, but he's also a lot with a lot of them he's very kind of broad with it, like you gotta figure Obscure, it out. Yeah. This is, very this is my kind of biblical story. <laughs> that's not the story that I, even I know. I'm Jewish. <laughs> and yeah. uh that's from the first part. <laughs> <laughs> part one. And I get the first part. I don't get the first book. I don't get uh side B so much. <laughs> yeah, right of the bible you got side a of the bible
0: <laughs> i understand oh. <laughs> all the hits are on side a anyway
1: right I, that's how i see it i mean you want to listen to side b
0: but get the full story
1: great but side a is
0: i mean the happy ending
1: <laughs> is what's happening
0: then there's also i mean there's, there's also the preacher in here too yeah, I, I've always, like, slapping down those dollar bills. I have I know that can go with Reagan and the money, but for some reason with that, I've always gone to, like, the televangelist preacher.
1: Oh, yeah, obviously.
0: And there's something else. I don't have the whole quote here, but there's something else in that Niall Stokes. This is in the U2 Songs and Experience book that he wrote. I think it's printed by Hot Press about how America and the white evangelical preacher and is he speaking to the southern black man? Because no. No. It's the American paradox of America.
1: <laughs> right. Right. I love the it's just so much about the song, but I love the um the drama of the song. You know, it it really so, is drama. I mean, you he sings this song as a a different character. Which, I mean, he has a ton of songs he does that with now.
0: But I don't yeah. think
1: he... This is the first one. He could be a different character.
0: He could yeah, act it's out not the song. like him escaping into some version of himself.
1: Right. And again, now we...
0: completely different.
1: We have... He has a ton of songs like that now. Yeah. That he can do that with. But this was the first time I felt like... Looking back, I feel like he he had a character. This
0: was some good hindsight there, yeah. Yeah. And when when he's on stage with this song, he's gone. Gone. Gone.
1: There's yeah.
0: Anyway, I love There aren't many there aren't many songs where he's completely gone. No. There are a few. There are a few. Um, There's another one on this album. We'll get to it on side B. Oh, that's a big one. Yes. That's a big one.
1: Big, big one. The next song is.
0: The last song on Side A, right?
1: Last song on Side A, track yeah. five, which is Running to Standstill, which is uh, one of my favorite songs.
0: I was really happy to pay so much attention to this song. Because when you were talking about how beautiful his voice and controlled his voice was in With or Without You, I have notes about that. In the song. Mm-hmm.
1: It's been played uh, 400 times.
0: Oh, exactly. Wow.
1: I've heard it eight. Which is interesting because... I
0: I've i heard it saw... five times. Which is... Two more times than I expected.
1: So I went... I think I went to five...
0: Joshua Tree. Joshua
1: Tree. Third shows. I went to, yeah.
0: then I went
1: to f- five. And... I know... The first time I heard it was at at my first show at the Zoo TV show. So I'm kind of curious to know when were those other two times I heard it. I don't know, and I don't really feel like looking it up, but... I had
0: it. Let me look real quick.
1: Okay, I got it. Okay. So I was right. The first time I heard it was the first show I saw for Zoo TV in Hampton. And then I saw it, I heard it at the... Vertigo, so the other two times were vertigo. The first vertigo, leg of vertigo, yeah. And, yeah I have in it Chico- twice. one
0: in Chicago, one in
1: Boston, and then all the other
0: ones were, and yeah, I have a Boston and a Philly, and the rest was the JT30. Yeah, it's interesting. So, we talked a lot about on the Unforgettable Fire app about both bad, the songs bad and and. Wire are about the heroin epidemic in Dublin and they're very such emotional songs. Wire is so incredibly angry and bad is such a like pleading cry for help. And running to stand still is really just like a picture in time. And apparently it got some criticism or maybe criticism is the wrong word. Because there's no moral compass in the song, not saying it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. It's just accepting, right? It's non-judgmental. I mean, it's beautiful in that way. It's really beautiful. So,
1: such a beautiful song. I um, so I have kind of a funny thing. Okay, I want to um, hear it. This is just one of those little things of this is what the inside of my head looks like. So oh, maybe yeah. not everyone will appreciate yeah. it, but okay, so the beginning of this song to me, before there are even lyrics, mm-hmm. I have this whole thing in my head. It sounds like the soundtrack to an old western. there's like a cowboy walking through the empty streets of a ghost town with tumbleweeds rolling in. <laughs> And he's, like, remembering that this town was once his home. And he sits on an old barrel outside of the former saloon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And starts playing a sad tune on his harmonica. And you would think that the cowboy in my head would be, you know, Clint Eastwood or John Wayne. But for some reason, it's little Carl from the first season of The Walking Dead. (laughs) Carl. 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 (laughs) I'm not sure if that's really what was going on in my head Or if I wanted us to have that (laughs) I don't know No, really, that's what I see in my head It's got this, like, ghost town twang or something The other thing is, Bon's voice in this song He has such a Jim Morrison quality like, that's what I hear. That's what I heard when I remember, you know, early here, you know, early on listening to the album, but I hear it so much now that he, uh, he has this, um, I think it's like when he sings the first part that's singing Ha La La Today, it's, uh, it's just that he has this like rumble or something in his voice that's very that. Jim Morrison.
0: I could see that. Yeah. Like uh, it. It starts off as it's just like this beautiful ballad with the piano and the rolling drums. Hence yeah. the double beads. Yeah. <laughs> the Carl is now in this song for me. Yeah, Carl. And it builds and builds and builds, but there's this moment in it that just has forever blown in my mind, because Gabano has gotten to his a point with the control of his voice and the quality of his voice, that he could really belt something out and have a moment here. But the lines, you got to cry without weeping, talk without speaking, scream without raising your voice, like that could be a moment, a really big vocal moment.
1: Right.
0: But he literally screams without raising his voice.
1: Mm -hmm. Literally.
0: That's a quiet and beautiful moment. I have, I have this written down, and for all I know, I'm quoting something someone wrote, so I'm not going to pretend it's my own. It says, unlike other songs of this subject, this song isn't about anyone specific. It's tender and compassionate and absolutely no judgment. The music was was improvised in the beginning with um, Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed and Candle the Wind by Elton John in mind. And the lyrics are just gorgeous. Do you want to talk about the... Seven Towers.
1: Yeah, I I do I'll talk about that for a second and then I have a lot more to say about okay, the lyrics, yeah. but vocals pretty much. But um yeah, so as the story goes, Dublin in the seventies, like most cities, they had some uh mm-hmm. basically gentrification issues in their urban uh, areas. So
0: Mm -hmm. You know, they
1: kind of kicked out people that had been living there for a long time and the property values were low and then they revitalized stuff in the property. And this has happened many times because, you know, the Dublin that we see now is not the Dublin from that I saw in 1996, 97. Oh, not at all, yeah. Yeah, so it basically, and Obano said that it took, it took Ireland a really long time to realize that what didn't work for other countries was not going to work for them either, because the U S had long before built uh, public housing in these, you know, giant buildings, like how good times takes place. Right. That kind of, and uh, it doesn't work because when you put so many people with social issues, like unemployment and drugs, like, and high crime rate on top of each other. It just makes the issues greater. And on top of that, they didn't have very many public amenities. So these buildings were built the seven towers. Except actually there were more than seven. But there were seven big towers, and then there were some other yeah. smaller ones. But whatever. And he could
0: like, see these from his neighborhood. Like they were yeah. his... Calm, beautiful neighborhood he was growing up in. They like rose up.
1: Yeah, he could see him from his uh, back back door. But you know, it just, I Dublin had you know a heroin problem to begin with, and this right. just made it a convenient place. You know, like a one stop shop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonner said that they were just it was really bad. They're probably they
0: were They're really very fancy at first. They were like the first right. elevators in the area. They had yeah, the, the problem first was, cable
1: it... in Ireland were in those
0: yeah.
1: cable but nothing was
0: nothing was kept up. So right. things would break through.
1: And there wasn't... Public schools weren't... They didn't have great schools. They, they were yeah. over... Um, they were just... Everything was overpopulated and they didn't have very good, you know, public amenities or anything. The other thing is that... And this song isn't about specifically Phil in it from uh Thin Lizzy but I I think that's definitely something to talk about. They kind of made it big before u too so he was kind of a right. a bit of a Irish legend I guess at the time and he was friends with Bono and apparently at some point right after uh, Bono and Ali got married Phil Lived down the street from him, and Bonner said that they'd see each other and, like, Can you mm-hmm. come up for dinner or come down for dinner or something. Yeah, and they never did it. And uh, Phil ended up uh, dying from complications of heroin use. Right. It's a tragic story, but you should Google this if you want more information because it's actually, I really enjoy reading about Phil Lennon. He has a really interesting story, but anyway, so that's you know the tie in with the heroin, and it's not like that's. Disguised in this song Like it's right. You know flat out It's, it's openly out. about drug use it's, Yeah she will suffer the needles Chill that the title Of the song is the last Lyric of the song And that's I love just that. I love that There, It's something like what I read about it was like there's something like a it's like delayed gratification. Like you listen to the whole song and then you get to the end and you're like, <gasps> I get it, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it all ties in to that full circle. I, yeah. I love
0: that.
1: I love songs that either don't have the title at all or that you know, it's just at the end um, or like just
0: like little lyric as opposed to the main. Right.
1: yeah so this is poetry again obviously not a sketch but a yeah. very thought out composition but he, he has like bono has the the build-up and the rage that builds up in his voice yeah. which i just i i love it and seeing it live like the thing is that i i remember it was like Trin-
0: the thrill of the thrill of the hit
1: right i i I had this kind of moral uh, <laughs> debate in my head every time I heard this song was that I so wanted to sing along, but yeah. I felt like if I sang along, I wouldn't get the full impact of the song. Like I needed yeah. him to, I didn't tell, need to tell share story. It. It's story time. Right. I needed it's it to be hour. presented to me. I didn't need to share the lyrics, right. but I think I did. I think there was one point that I did, but I really, every single time I heard it, I, for Joshua Tree, the anniversary tour, I really, really did think, should I sing, should I sing along or should I just, yeah. no, just enjoy it, you know, but it's a fun song to sing along to. So, you know, the lyrics are just so great.
0: That mean singing That's, along to that. The halal of the day is just like a communal again
1: yes definitely um so another thing about definitely is uh, uh, is a topic we need to discuss for this song is the harmonica so i i love the harmonica and edge said and this i didn't know but that from the very very beginning of youtube bono always carried around a harmonica really and he, yeah and that he would <laughs> play it just to like you know, to try to get harmonies together and stuff. He always. No this was the first time he played the harmonica, but every yeah. album that they'd done, he had had a harmonica laying around. Um, Interesting. But but so uh, it, and it's he's a really really good harmonica player. He says he's not, I but know. I think he that's says his, he
0: murders it. But I think he needs to give himself more credit.
1: I think that's his. Uh, Bubby thing where he's it's, like
0: It's too salty it's so, it's too salty <laughs> And you're like no no Bubby It's delicious I'm really bad just don't pay attention to me
1: Right right I think also I, I've had this theory Before that it is A lead singer thing where it's like You know I had a friend That was in a cover band And he'd come off stage and he was like Wow I suck tonight and everyone's like, you know, no, you didn't. And he's like, oh, <laughs> you think so? Uh, you <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I wasn't playing that game. So I'm like, well, if you right. think you sucked, then you must have sucked.
0: Must've I'm sucked. not playing
1: into that crap. But mom. that said, <laughs> I do think it's more of a. I am kinder about Bono. He's not doing that. He's just being. We'll let him know when it sucks. Yeah, I've never heard. I mean, he has plenty of opinions. (laughs) Yeah, his right, his. uh, I think he's an extraordinary harmonica player. Yeah, more so on side B, but we'll get to that. Yeah, uh, in a little bit.
0: I find it every single time he gets up the harmonica. I'm like, wait, you can do that? It surprises me every time how good he sounds.
1: And and he gives that speech that. You know, the harmonica was invented by...
0: The Germans, Germans. And it was... Um, made by famous by... Americans.
1: Americans. And now an Irishman is butchering the yeah. harmonica. Murdered
0: by the Irish. <laughs> yeah, but it's... Uh, no. <laughs> That's so, not true. It's not. He's doing a good job. I think yeah. he's like... I feel like he's giving himself an out in case he messes up.
1: <laughs> right? Maybe it right. sounds oh. great. Always sounds great with it. It's, Always sounds
0: great.
1: Yeah, and so, I mean, I've heard people play harmonica before, and they're just, like, blowing into it or something. Right. And it's not, they're not really, but I think it's easy to, like, get away without, to use a harmonica without playing it properly. Because people yeah. just hear the harmonica. But he really plays harmonica. Like, that's for
0: real. That's legit right there. I'm going to just give him a little pat on the back. It's, it's okay, little buddy. You go yeah. play the harmonica. You got it. But, it
1: is, but you're right. It, every time he takes it out, I'm kind of surprised. Like, it's yeah, uh... But what... Uh, so what other songs does he play harmonica on, though? I mean, aside from this album.
0: Besides Trip Through Your Wires and Side mm-hmm. B. I can't think off the top of my head that there's another one.
1: I can't either, but I, re- I know I've seen him many, many times play harmonica.
0: It's late and my brain starts to oh, give it.
1: Oh, Desire, you're right. Yes, of course. I've, heard, I've seen him played a million times. Half like times. Yeah. But I've only, heard, I've never heard these songs played many times, but Desire, right? it's Desire. There you go.
0: Good call, yeah. good talk.
1: I was like, we know he can
0: play harmonica. We've seen it.
1: But it's got to be more than the
0: five, the, the times
1: I've heard. Um, no. Right.
0: So I have another Niall Stokes thing
1: uh-huh.
0: that is food for thought for later and later up. I have not wrapped my brain around this information, and I don't so I don't understand if I, I will agree with it or not. But he says, and I'm gonna quote about running to stand still and its lack of moral certainty and its refusal to judge its subject harshly. It looks ahead to the chaotic landscapes of Octum Baby and Zeropa, In which the only certainty is uncertainty itself.
1: Interesting.
0: Because I don't consider this song tied to those albums at all. Not at all. Yeah. He says that made it one of the band's most mature creations to date. A haunting, challenging piece of pop poetry that still resonates with lyrical truth. We should just read from his book because it's just beautiful. Right? <laughs> it is beautiful. There is and I you know, always I look forward to getting the Octobaby in Zeropa in revisiting.
1: Right. Oh, very
0: much so. That yeah. They
1: don't have a trilogy. It's just um No, they do have a trilogy. Have and a trilogy. I'm sorry. And I I said this the other night, uh, I was at Circa and I'm like, Well, they don't have a trilogy and then my friend Kip was like, but what about pop? Yeah. And I'm like, oh crap. Like, <laughs> how, how I left that entirely out of my
0: timeline. I don't even know but how I, I think I did at that one point, point you thought P- pop might be on its own. And I don't think so.
1: I don't think so. I did. You're
0: right. But when, when yeah. Kip said that, except though
1: I totally skipped it over, I said um, that. Maybe zero Right, the groupings yeah. were Baby, Europa, and then um, all that you can't leave behind, and how to smell an atomic bomb. And Kip was like, but "What about pop? It's in the yeah, it's in the Europa trilogy." And I'm like, "Holy crap, man! I oh, of all the people, I-, <laughs> I know, right? Thanks, Kip. Oh my
0: gosh, we um, made it through side A,
1: side A, and what a great way to end a side A! Like it." Side A is just 100% perfection. I have nothing bad to say about... Uh, I mean, I barely have anything bad to say about anything on the album. But definitely Side A is the strong side.
0: Yeah. And to end on that, she's running the standstill and just like that little outro with the harmonica. Right. And then you gotta
1: flip the tape. Yeah. The title, I didn't even... Talk. I didn't put a note in about that But Banu said he got the title From his brother Oh really? Had, yeah he said it, He asked his brother how uh, his business was going Whatever business And he said uh, It's not great it kind of feels like I'm running a standstill huh. So his brother Came up with the title But I I have a thing where I, I say it Every single time I go on a trip, on a big trip. Like I say yeah. every time. It's like I go to work and I have to go to work. But while I'm at work, all I can think about is what I need to be doing when I'm not at work. So it's right. like I'm sitting here like there's so many other things I need to be doing now instead of being at work. And I feel like I'm running a standstill. Like my brain is running so fast that but I'm standing still. Which when you really think about that, think about, you know, heroin use.
0: You're constantly wondering where you're next.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, like, you're, you know, you're, like, whatever. Your your body is, on the inside, just moving, so running. Right. And you're not necessarily, you know.
0: Moving. moving <laughs> yeah. On
1: the outside, I mean, I think that, I mean, I don't know many heroin users. I don't really know any currently. I Yeah um currently which is sounds awful but I don't think I do but that's what the impression I get from you're not going anywhere but you're running
0: right right it's so true
1: yeah anyway I use that I use that uh I said it I felt I think I said it like last week one day talking about this podcast too. Like I was <laughs> sitting at work and I'm like, oh my God, I really need to be working on the podcast, but I'm like at work and I have to be working on work. Right. And I just felt like my mind was racing on what I needed to do when I got home, what I needed to read and what I needed to listen to. Yeah.
0: And I was running That's to like stand like so. the low grade systemic stress that our lives nowadays have. Is that we are constantly we're not in the moment. We're constantly worried about what's coming next, right? And where no, we no, you're to so right how about How long that. it's gonna take, and this and this and that. Like we're they talk about it a lot in motherhood because you're worried about you're so worried about the rest of your household schedule and where the kids need to be and what the but it goes for every like that's where I first heard about that
1: right
0: the. Low grade systemic stress of worrying about what's next,
1: and that's really that you're right, that really is everything. I know this sounds it is, but I know this sounds stupid, but you know, I love binge watching, and I swear I spend half my time binge watching thinking about what my next binge watch (laughs) is going to be. Like, I always say, if I come out and I don't have a plan after, you know, if I finish one series and I don't have a place, like I, I forgot my exit strategy. What do I do now? And what I do then is I watch Friends because I don't know what else to do.
0: Know. You're
1: right though. That is, uh, that is our society today.
0: And then we don't do anything
1: well. No, and you don't live in the moment. Yeah. And I mean, think about that at, at concerts. And I mean, I really try hard not to, do this so much but people sit there with their phones up the entire show and they're not actually watching the show they're looking at it through their phone so that they can then watch it later
0: I try to be very conscious if there's a moment that I want to take a video or picture of that I just hope I'm holding the phone in the right place to actually capture it so I'm not looking I'm still seeing it with my eyes
1: right and that's really a big thing that I uh (laughs) the other reason why I have almost no pictures of ever of Bono face forward <laughs> he's yeah. always sideways or you know just because if he's looking in my direction I don't want to see that through the phone I want that I want I, I
0: have one picture of him that I have framed in my office I had posted this series of pictures of him from the E&I tour on Instagram it was like three or four like right in a row that looked kind of cool together And someone commented like, oh, my God, he's looking right at you. I was like, no, like, no, it was just, you know, in the vicinity, whatever She's like, no, go back and look. And I went and scrolled through, like, the third picture is like, oh, shit. Right? (laughs) I was too busy taking the pictures. (laughs) To realize.
1: Yeah. I, I, what I did was the last, I think the last two shows, i saw of e and i before uh dublin and i think it only worked at it would only work at the E stage but i had my phone video like recording and i held it at the rail so i'm not i just held it against the rail just like so it wasn't obstructing my view. It wasn't blatantly obvious that I, right. it wasn't obstructing anyone else's view. I'm like, man, I wish I had thought about, and I have some good pictures. I wish I thought about that. Yeah. You know, before, but I, I didn't.
0: Okay. Stay tuned for side B. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll maybe in a week or so come up with side B. We'll have some more questions for Vano over whiskey and Kate? And you need to think of the Lounge Act song. I do. this album. Yeah. And hashtag sting, which I have Hashtag for sting. Side
1: yeah. B. Very much right. so. For sure. It, hashtag Bruce made it to this one.
0: We'll get hashtag sting on Side B. For it's sure.
1: a major hashtag sting, too.
0: Okay. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Also, we love hearing from people and chatting with people, and of course, we love talking you too. So you can drop us a line on Instagram or Twitter at the underscore garden tarts. or you can even email us at wearethegardentarts@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you would share it with your other YouTube-loving friends, as well as leave a review for us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We would really, really love that. May your music be loud and your whiskey be strong. Until next time, cheers.